afternoon and welcome to another episode of In the Ballpark. Um, I am joined here by uh, Big Frizy and we've got Maxi as well. Uh, how are we, gentlemen? Very big round of football we had, round seven. That's it, yeah. No, doing, doing all right, seven. Thank you. It's, uh, it was, wasn't it? It was, um, again, a zero every week. Some unexpected results, things that you didn't see coming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, we moved to uh, Friday night at the MCG. This was, um, this was meant to be a pretty big match. Of course, both teams coming off... Two really disappointing uh, games in the previous round. It was uh, the mighty Hawks up against the Tigers, and the Tigers, of course, uh, had a bit more pressure coming into this one because, of course, uh, yes, Damien Hardwick uh, has a lot to answer with his team's really big form slump. And, uh, well, after this game, he had even more questions that yeah, had so to be answered. Um, the Tigers 13, 12, 90 to Hawks 21 goals, 10, 136, but... Tigers were actually pretty good for most of the game. Um, they start they started really competitive. I saw um the teams had a few of their gun players out. I think that Cochin was out for the Tigers this week as well as obviously Rance who comes back this week from suspension. But the Hawks also had Hodge and Mitchell missing. But um the Tigers were largely competitive for most of the game. It was just towards the end of the game. I think the Tigers were up by twelve points at one stage throughout the third quarter. So the first sort of three quarters of the game is just the, the um the Hawks kicked away with it in the end. But um. Mm-hmm. It was mainly to do with the Hawks' forward line. I think Luke Bruce kicked six goals, Gunsick kicked four goals, and Pure Apollo kicked three as well. When those blokes are kicking goals like that, probably the Hawks win, going to win most of those games. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, normally, normally, Maxie, uh, it only takes one of them to yeah. pop up and get you. You know, Bruce might kick a few, or, uh, you know, Gunsick might pop up, or, you know, Pure Apollo. In this case, it was all of them mm-hmm. uh, working in harmony. And as you say, uh, that, I mean, when it's all up and going, that forward line. Put the brakes on that. Who did Jordan Lewis of five or six years ago almost? Wasn't he, he enjoys yeah. the captaincy, doesn't he? He had seven tackles and he performed well with the captaincy, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't that before in the last quarter. It was nine goals to three. So the horse piled him on. So 12 of the last 15 goals they kicked uh, to win eventually by 46 points. Mm. Tigers now. They slumped to one win and six losses. Um, this is the worst record since Coach Damon Hardwick first started in 2010, gentlemen. That is a staggering statistic. Um, they're going to want to win pretty soon, but it doesn't get any easier for them this round. They've got Sydney Swans at the MCG on a Saturday night. Yes. So, going to be a lot more the Tigers will need to do, I think. They do get Rams back this week, and we'll wait for the team to spin now, but I think Cochin's a fair chance to play. Mm. Another very good match on Saturday was um, another win for the Carlton Blues. They, they've won three in a row now. This is the first time in three years. And, and they defeated arch-rival Collingwood. This is the first time they've been able to defeat Collingwood for quite a while now. And uh, the Blues were quite outstanding, weren't they, gentlemen? Yeah, it was 12-12, um, 84 to the night, 15-9. So they kicked straight 99 by the Blues. But I'm um, sure... Levi Kasbah, probably one of, his, one of his best games in a long time. Levi, 17 disposals and three goals. He, kicked, he missed a couple as well, but he looked like a really dominant player. And which is the way, if he had his kick straight, he'd probably be one of the top three or four best in the competition at the moment. But the, Blue, the Blues were outstanding. I think we talk, talk about their old stars. Cade Simpson had 31. Bryce Gibbs was magnificent. He kicked three goals in, I think, about... 10 minutes or so oh, in the third mm, quarter, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was one instance where they just let him out of the back of the stoppage and he just got a goal Jeez. straight out of the back. But the, pie, the pies are in all sorts at the moment, so I think they're too, they've slumped to two and five and their two wins come against Richmond. We know about their struggles. They've, 
that was by three points, I think, in the last dying seconds of the game. Dying seconds. They beat up on the Dons on Anzac Day, but they've slumped to two and five. I'm not really sure. They are a very young side, but really struggling at the moment, Fraser. No, yeah, just not quite living up to that uh, that pre-season hype. Oof. I don't think as much as that was uh, a little bit unnecessary, some of that hype. I think, yeah, no, you're, you're very correct there, Maxie. Their list is actually very young at the moment. And it is. The sides that have been playing so far this year, there's a lot of youth. And, and believe it or not, gentlemen, oh, um, had a more experienced they, side yeah, they did. Yeah. They did have a more experienced side. But uh, look, there was a couple of positives for Collingwood. Uh, Scott Pendlebury was brilliant again. He had 34 disposals. Midfield star, uh, still side bottom, continues his uh, form after coming off the suspension. He got another mm-hmm. 29 disposals. But I think um, Collingwood do lack contributors across the board, and they just... In their, in their forward line, they just had no contributors yeah. whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, this win, I think, was built on uh, Colden's midfield dominance and uh, their forward 50s as well. They just... Uh, Collingwood couldn't match it at the other end. So, Colden do have another opportunity, gentlemen, to go, um, well, four in a row against Port Adelaide at home. Well, so a, a real possibility, I think. It's going to be a big match. And then... Um, four four, yeah. And then we look at the other end of the spectrum and we've got the Pies travelling to Brisbane. Nintendo certainly are. And uh, I, I wouldn't be tipping the pies with any confidence in that game. So, uh, so big win by Carlton, and uh, yes. they improve their record. And uh, another very interesting match, fellas, um, was of course down at uh, Simmons Stadium. Uh, we almost came into this game sort of expecting the result, but we really were very disappointed with the way the West Coast Eagles did handle that tag about being um, the team that can't travel in the AFL, and uh, they had another very disappointing game against the Geelong Cats. They uh, lost by 44 points, and uh, Geelong moved to second place on the ladder now with six wins and one loss. And, uh, yeah, this this game really highlighted the fact that West Coast can't play on the road. And, uh, yes, the Twin Terrors, Joel Selwood and Paddy Dangerfield again dominated. Joel Selwood, 35 disposals, was absolutely outstanding, and Paddy Dangerfield, 25 as well. They ran rampant. But um, I want to highlight another man, um, Stephen Motlop. He is a live wire up in the forward line. Absolutely stole the show. He had 25 disposals, kicked four goals. 25 Absolute complete game. And uh, another, another very scary fact for the West Coast Eagles, eight cats had over 20 disposals. So they absolutely mm. dominated with mm. ball in hand. So, uh, yeah. What does, well, this, what does this mean for the West Coast well, Eagles, gents? Can well, they win yeah, the flag with no, this? No, I think I the only way the West Coast can win the flag is to finish in the top two. And if the grand final is played in Perth, I would say probably as well. Yes. Yes. But I just don't see... Any, exactly. I think they probably would have the ability to beat anyone if it wasn't Hawthorne at the MCG, but I think they've, the only way they're going to win it is if they finish in the top two, and I just can't see them winning enough games away from home to finish in the top two. I've got them... Probably in the lower half of the eight finishing. Mm. So I don't think there are any chances to win the flag if oh, they yeah. keep playing this way. But there's plenty of time to go. I do argue with that. There is. There absolutely is. But um, I'll tell you what, the team that they played against is really mounting mm. a good mm. premiership contention. And uh, as I said, those two midfielders, um, Paddy Dangerfield and uh, Scott Selwood, I, sorry, uh, Joel Selwood, um, you know, ever since Paddy Dangerfield's came there, it's almost like Joel Selwood has been reinvigorated and mm. he's actually playing a lot better footy now that he's um, sort of 
probably doesn't get that tag anymore. And uh, yeah, Geelong have more flexibility with that midfield. Yeah, I mean, I, going into this game, I would have thought that West Coast midfield, because as much as we talk about the Geelong midfield, that West Coast midfield still oozes quality. And I, I would have expected them to go head-to-head with them and match it. But uh, it looks like the Geelong midfield just totally got on top. Totally dominated. And another player who's been good in the last couple of weeks and also had another good game uh, this weekend with Shane Kirsten. He's, he's been yes. kicking a few goals yeah. up in the forward line. And, uh, I mean, I know Geelong hasn't came up against a really quality opposition um, in the last couple of weeks. West Coast still a little bit sceptical about whether they're quality away from home. But, yeah, he's looking mm. to be a very good forward line and a very yeah. good addition to that forward line along with, of course, uh, big Tommy Hawkins. But, uh but another player that disappoint was disappointing again a couple of weeks in a row was um, Lewis Jetta, big big recruit yeah. from from uh, Sydney, and he's he just a couple of his efforts. Um, I think there was a there was a particular stage um, just outside of um, West Coast forward fifty, and he, he he was just trying to chase players down, but it was just with no effort and no intent, and he just he just looked really sluggish, really slow, and. Uh, yeah. It's just really disappointing. He had nine touches there, but I think by memory the trade was um, a straight trade. Lewis Jennifer and Sydney. Sydney have come out far better from Sinclair's that. Trade. I think they certainly Irish, have. I, I agree with what you say, Seth, about how this was quite a high-profile trade, but Lewis Jetta has not sort of got back to that blistering form of sort of mm. Sydney flag year yeah. 2012, 2012. And, you know, the years before and after that. Probably that period of. Mm. sort of two or three years he was at his best. We haven't seen him get back to that since then. No, no, he's been very disappointing. And uh, and with that, you know, they, they obviously wanted a lot more run and carry on that wing. And, uh, mm. well, with him out of form, they just haven't had that. So it could be a major factor for them not being as successful this season. Now, another mm. match on Saturday was the Sydney Swans up against Essendon at the SCG. And although this was a expected result. Um, Essendon actually played very well and uh, moments in the third quarter, they um, they actually looked like they could possibly win the game, but of course um, Buddy Franklin turned around and had a big one, boys. What did he you see? He always dimes out on the dimes, doesn't he? But, um, we held him well for the first yeah. half. But, but after that, I think well, we were pretty competitive in the first half, weren't we? I think yeah. It was only... Oh, it wasn't much of a margin at half-time. No, the Swans just kicked away after half-time. Yeah, I, I, I think it was... Um, Two goals in the second half, I, I think, and uh, yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I reckon that first half was probably one of our best halves of footy this year for sure. I think so. I know we have played like patches all year, but um, and definitely the ball movement and the ball use was probably, I think, the best so far this season. In the first half, but Sydney just shut it down after that. They, you know, when we looked good, we had run from Dempsey, run from McDonald, Tim and Woody or halfback. As soon as Sydney were able to close that down. After halftime, it made it very difficult for us to get any sort of drive and um, creativity going forward. So, a bit of a shame, but like you guys say, I, I, yeah, I think it was probably one of the better 14-goal losses that you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't yeah. think the scoreboard necessarily reflects how well we played in that no. first half. Yeah, the Sydney midfield dined out in the second half. Josh Kennedy, 40. Tom Mitchell, 37. Dan Hannaby, 31. Luke Parker, 29. So, they got busy in the... He had 40 in the end, Kennedy. Yeah. But, um, David Zaharakis continued his good form with another 33, and James Kelly, 29 as well. Courtney Dempsey with 24. He's done really well since he's come back from. Mm, love having, uh, and love he having played, the, old, the old Dempsey back as the Dempsey. He, he, play, he plays very well against the Swans, Dempsey. He's got a good little record against them, if, yeah. except for the except incident. Except when the siren, you know, yeah. going to do it, but yeah. 
no, you mean, still brings tears to my oh, eyes. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean Matty's Matty's right. He, he hasn't looked out of place at all. Gemson came back. I think we've he's it's kind of like the rebirth of the man. We've seen the form from about three or four years ago when he was at his peak. We certainly are, and, and, and that's very pleasing. It is, and another player to mention uh, in that Sydney lineup was um, Isaac Heaney. Kicked five goals, his career best, and he's had an incredible season to back up his first season of AFL. He's been absolutely outstanding, and uh, Zach had kicked two goals along with his thirty-three possessions as well. Yeah. So, uh, yes, after that main break, uh, the Swans kicked thirteen goals. So. Uh, Yes, yeah, bit of a dismal second half, but I thought youngster Michael Hartley did pretty well on Buddy Franklin up to half time, and uh, did, yes. yeah, kept him kept him to a very like, kept him the two goals up to half time, and then yeah. uh, Buddy kicked away obviously with those. Very, uh, very hard in that second half when the delivery coming into Buddy was quick and smooth. There was not a lot Hartley could do. Exactly right. Sense, so, yeah. so but he's certainly a rising uh, defender, Michael Hartley. So very, very good from him. And uh, another game we had on Saturday was uh, Melbourne travelling to the Gold Coast, mm. and um, this was this was a hard one to tip from the outset. But um, Melbourne um, bounced back well from that loss last week against St Kilda, mm. sixteen goals to six after half time. Yeah. Melbourne, wow. Absolutely, yeah. So, no, 13-9, the Suns, 24-16, Melbourne in the end, a 12-goal win. You're exactly right. Sturt with those scores after halftime. The margin was only five points at halftime in this game. Wow. So, the game was uh, neck and neck. What I took from this, the first thing I noticed was that the scoreboard itself, Melbourne, 24-16-160. They've kicked over 100 points four times already this year. And now, I want to put a question to you fellas. When do you think was the last time they kicked... A higher score than this, 160. What year do you reckon that was? Because you're going to have to go back quite a while. Cool. 2006. What do you reckon, sir? I'm going to say a little bit earlier than that, 2004. Yeah, well, you would have to go back to round 22 of 2000. 2000? The year that we knocked them off in the grand the final. The Olympic year. Against the West Coast Eagles, they kicked 170. That is how far back you would have to go. For a time when oh Melbourne have kicked a God. score of such gravity. They <laughs> kicked over 100 points in the second half line. Mm. So, <laughs> that is a strange game for Tim. It was. They, yeah, no, the... But I think the Gold Coast are just... They're really hampered by injuries for their key yeah. players at the moment. They yeah. certainly so are. I don't think Gaz is playing anywhere near his best. He's cocked no. like an hour again this week after mm. only getting 22 touches and only kicking two goals again. No, it's very quiet game. <laughs> The yeah, standards are so high for Gary, Gary Arndt, you know, yeah, and uh, that, that D's midfield in the second half, if you just got mm-hmm. on top, you know, Jones and Vince were dominant, and of course, Sir and I touched on uh, prior to the show about Maxi Gorn. Maxi Gorn. What do you have? Hundred and seventy-three super. Hundred and seventy-four super coach points. Seventeen disposals. Forty-six hitouts and two goals. Gave a few away as well. He did. Yeah, yes. um, Christian Petrarca in his second game when I was. Twenty-four touches and two goals, but interestingly, nineteen handballs from that twenty-four. Okay, we've got a young, really young Joe Watson here. Yeah. <laughs> certainly do, and eight yeah. multiple goal kickers from the Demons as well. Jesse Hogan only kicked one goal, so it can show they have a good spread of goal yeah, kickers. They kicked twenty-four goals with Hogan only kicking one. One. It's it it, it it's very uh, it's. The, the future's looking great, great for the days. They did have the um, Nabra Star nominations from this week. It was James Harms. Oh, 11, 11, 11, yes. 11 Harms. 15 t- 
um, Fifteen handballs, twenty fifties, fogies, and three goals. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty um, sure he got over a hundred as well in Supercoach Maxi. So if you don't have him yet, I'm get him in. Yeah. And uh, you, you did touch on those Gold Coast injuries before, gentlemen. You had Matt Rosa, Alex Sexton, Dion Prestia, and Took Miller all going down in that game. So mm-hmm. it just goes yeah. to show they're just absolutely injury ridden. Already without guys like O'Neill and Swallow. Um, yeah. Just the lows yeah, continue, don't they? What's going on with the medical stuff, man? The amount of injuries. Yeah, you've got to. Maybe they need, maybe they need to invest in a high-performance supplement. <laughs> they, they just might have to. Sorry, the pre- the pressure's certainly on, isn't it? Just gonna say, looking at, uh, Still fire in the belly after oh, that one, I tell you. Looking at next week, I'm not sure. Do you, are they, is this a club in crisis mode now up at the Gold Coast? I mean, they play the Giants next week as well up at Spotless. Oh. And that'll and that'll show um, what extension club that is, is, uh, is in the lead, yeah. certainly. Meanwhile, the D's following up from that will take on the Bulldogs back at the G. It's going to be a massive game. game. The first time for this year that the Dogs have left Eddie Head State. Mm. And so it's, it's, a fair, it's a fair trip, isn't it? Yeah, Just it's a it's couple not, of train stops and uh, there they are. And, of course, in the disposal count, Melbourne had 412, the Gold Coast 317. And now this is, this is the most staggering one, and it makes sense after a 73-point flogging, but inside 50s, 75 the Demons... Gold Coast 37, so uh, yeah, there you go. Absolute Double. obliteration. More than doubling. How often does that happen? You know, you just saw the scenes after the game with Gary Apple. Yes. Quieting down one of the <laughs> abusive sort of Gold Coast fan, I think. A lot of things were made of it, but I think Gary was just trying to calm him down because reportedly he was using some quite abusive language. I think Gary was just trying to calm down because there were some children some around. Some children around, so. and, a lot of it was made, but I think Gary was just doing the right thing. He was doing the right thing. Do you, do you guys agree with that? He was just um, trying to interfere, just trying to make yeah, sure yeah, everything was okay? He is, I think he, he is. Uh, yeah, just wanted to quieten that down as much as he could. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking away from the fact that these guys have every right to be angry and frustrated at, uh, at their side, but all things considered, you, you know, it, it, it's, sort of, it's not even a football issue. It's a, it, you know, a social issue. Like You don't want to see those, those things going on. Exactly. Probably just said, look, uh, I know we've had a bad loss. You've got every right to be angry, but uh, you've got to be respectful to the children around. And, yeah, well, that's, uh, it. that's it. They're the first priority. And by that, you don't mean the Gold Coast players. You mean, yeah, you mean the children around. And exactly the, yeah. right. Exactly right. Not but uh, you might have had to explain that as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the children might have had a better chance yeah. on the field, I think. Maybe that's what he said, straight swap. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, the game during Saturday night. And uh, me and Maxie were able to get along to this one. And we were much more impressed by the Doggies and just the quality of the game this week uh, around. And uh, the Doggies were up against the Adelaide Crows who were also in some very good form. And uh, this was a very good game, Maxie. Very entertaining. Very high scoring. Mm. It was the polar opposite from last week, wasn't it? Sarah? certainly was. 18 goals to 17. It was pretty tight for most of the game. The Doggies just kicked away in the end. But Doggies was just the disposal count. 422 to 342. So they had a lot more of the ball. And... Inside 50, 68 to 37. Now, we know the Crows mm. are playing a lot of slingshot footy, and that's how they got most of their goals. And Josh, Ke- Josh, Gen- can't spit it out. Josh Jenkins kicked eight goals this week, Sepper. He certainly did, and uh, he was absolutely outstanding. And I think uh, I think one man that we were all very happy to see return, and uh, Fryzy will touch on this a little bit later, but uh, the package returned. Package. The express package, <laughs> and he kicked four goals and uh, probably set up one of the greatest... Uh, 
This is one of the greatest setups I've ever seen. Uh, ball was just trickling out of bound, yeah, tr trickling over the uh, behind line, and uh, bang, slapped it back in onto Caleb, Caleb Daniel's foot. You couldn't have seen a better uh, you know, setup if you tried. It was just, uh, you know, a lot of speculation and, and, and a lot of criticism um, came into this game for Jake String. I mean, he, he just wasn't doing the basics well enough. He wasn't playing a team style of, of game. He was trying to get the cheap balls out of the back. But this round, he, he stood up. He... Um, he set up a couple of goals himself. He wasn't too selfish. Mm -hmm. And uh, when those good goals needed to be kicked at the crunch times, he was there. So uh, very good performance from Jakey. Bond was also very good. 13 kicks, 17 handballs, 30 touches, one of his best performances. He also kicked two goals. And one of them was a clutch goal at the end, a set shot. I'm probably very mindful of um, the final these two played, the elimination final oh, these yes. two played, where he missed a few set shots. But he learned his lesson. It was a clutch goal right at the end. What would have been going through his head when he's having that shot? I mean, the margin was, what, three points at the time. There's a minute and a half on the clock. What's he thinking? Yeah. I, miss, I mean, You, 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 you do, you do wonder whether he thinks back to that night, that fateful dude, night. He probably thought yeah. about that since that, probably every day since that game. I, I'm not going to pin the blame on that guy for that final. Of course not. But, I, I mean, no doubt, given the publicity that it got, you know, that would have been on his mind a lot in the offseason. So now when his time came, he nailed it. So good on him. He did, good on him. And uh, another point you will touch on a bit later on, Fries, he was uh, the free kick count at three-quarter time. The Doggies were 20 free kicks to eight, and then they ended up the game 28 to 12. Um, Unheard of, guys. It is. It is. And uh, after the game, Don Pike was not impressed and uh, certainly wanted his point explained. He, he wanted he wanted some explanation for this. And, uh, one umpire gave 17 free kicks to one. Yep, so yep. I think that was what there was a bit of a discrepancy Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Certainly it was. And uh, what did you guys make of the Adelaide Crow Guernseys? Uh, I mean, oh, well, I didn't dislike them. They've changed, like they changed their clash trip about seven times in as many years, haven't they? They certainly have. I seem to recall them having a lot of different clash jumpers. Oh, I don't mind this one. Yellow works. What's the point? It's going to change next year again, isn't it? It well, probably will, yeah. Are going to have a bright pink one next year, sir? Yeah, it, it is a little bit more entertaining <laughs> than just the plain yeah. white Guernsey, so uh, good on you, uh, good on you, Adelaide, and... Uh, Yes, um, I wonder whether we'll ever see that again. <laughs> Be intriguing. And uh, the, the game over at um, Domain Stadium um, was, of course, GWS uh, up against the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, mm. GWS won their first ever game at Domain Stadium, a.k.a. Subiaco, and Fremantle remained winless. Gentlemen, what did you make of the game? Yes, well, I mean, it was a fairly even game the whole way through, but, um, look, I think, you know, the game was uh, level at quarter time. I mean, in that second quarter, the Giants sort of put the foot down, took a bit of control back in that quarter. They kicked five goals to two, had 30 more disposals, five more inside 50s, and they were very effective uh, every time they went forward, very dangerous. So basically, uh, you know, this was sort of the difference in the game in the end, mm -hmm. um, because it was after that quarter again, it was very even in, in the third quarter and the last. So um, that little action footy in the second quarter from the Giants, probably the difference in the I mean, Frio were were competitive as we expect them to be, and at some stages it looked like they might have even been able to uh, get a win in the end. They, they did, but they, did, yeah. yeah. So the margin, in the end, eighteen points there. They they kicked a few late goals, Frio, but uh, I think by then the result was all but done. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Stephen Caniglio uh, continues his good form. He got thirty-two disposals, yeah. two yeah. goals, yeah. and uh, uh, that, that very strong Giants 
inside midfield. I don't know, you know, Sean Ward's played a good game. I don't think Callum Ward's played too many bad games. No, no, years. not in contested possessions, yeah. 31 disposals in his 150th game as well. Oh, so yes, that's uh, yes. always very good to do it on your big uh, big game. And uh, uh, Lockie Nil though, for um, Fremantle, yeah, he's, he's been very good. I think they, they had a few good performers on Saturday night. Uh, the Dockers, I think Neil was by far their best. I think he finished with 33. In the 33 end. disposals, 25 um, of those contested. Well, so uh, he is just a ball-winning machine, isn't he? He certainly is. At but um, Yeah, but uh, at the end of the day, GWS, um, mm. they continue their very red-hot form indeed mm, yeah. and uh, yeah. have a very interesting task this week, don't Absolutely. they, Frizzy? Absolutely, yes. Um, uh, should that, be very that interesting. That's game we spoke of earlier. The battle of the expansion... Clubs, meanwhile, yeah. next week the Dockers travel down to Tasmania to take on the Hawks. They may, I mean, should they just stay home and forfeit that game? Or well, what do you think? They've, lost, they've lost Matt Fife for the rest of the this year, boys. So. Yeah, report. Oh, all reports. And that's, that's, just come, that's just come through in the last little bit as well. So that, uh, yeah, that season is, just continues. Yeah, to get, kick them while they're yeah. down. That is uh, only going to rub salt into the wounds, I think, at the moment. Yep, can't back up the Brownlow medal unless... Uh, no. We've got a lot of votes in the first <laughs> couple of games. Of course, on Sunday, North Melbourne came up against St Kilda on Mother's Day. Of course, all the mothers getting down there to that game, which was terrific. It was Drew Petrie's 300th game, and uh, although North got the job done in the end, the Saints were, again, really, really competitive, and uh, North remain unbeaten on um, seven wins. First time since, of course, uh, one-child policy uh, days. And, um, and yes, this, this game... Ended just a little tad controversial, but uh, at the end of the day, 26 points up um, were North Melbourne, and the Saints came streaming home, four unanswered goals, and almost, almost stole the game off North. But uh, Mason Woody watched the Eddie had clamped down clock, and uh, he iced the game and just stood there and uh, could have could have had a couple of meat pies in that time, I think. But um, yes, it was <laughs> it was a dismal end to the game. But um, it was then. Anticlimax at the end, but uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think a lot was made of this, but I still don't think he did anything really wrong. I mean, I, I looked at a video from the other week. I think it, well, I forget who they were playing now, but Ben Brown did a similar thing for North Melbourne maybe three or four weeks ago, where he sort of stood there and waited for the full thirty seconds. So I mean, I mean, as long as this uh, this feature exists at games, well, I mean, I agree, it's it's not a good look. It, it's not what you want to see, but. It's hard to sort of accuse any. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say anything wrong, doing wrong you know. If, it is, if the option is there. And I think I think the thing is that um, Alan Richardson, of course, said after the game, he said, uh, brilliant choice. Because he said, mm. um, you know, if if that was my player, I'd probably be urging him to do the same thing as well. So I mean, it, it's obviously there for the players' advantages. It's it's obviously been put there for the um, for the crowds to see how long the players have, but. Of course, the players can now utilise that, and uh, yeah, they used it to their advantage on uh, on Definitely. this particular scenario in the game. But uh, it was a very entertaining game, and um, yeah, Richo did say it was the longest thirty seconds in the coaching box he reckons he's ever had. Um, but North, um, one key that they had, of course, in this game, they they absolutely dominated the clearances. Um, those, those hard ball-getters that we talk about, you know, Ben Cunnington, Jack Zeeble, um, Andrew Swallow, they just they just continued that dominance in the in the midfield. They got 41 clearances to 29, and they, they won the contested ball, but not by much. They won 145 compared to 135, and, uh, 
Yeah, the, the inside 50s were also very closely contested as well, 61 to 50. Um, so it was a pretty evenly matched game. So, um, yeah, North Melbourne were outstanding. And uh, one player that we certainly would love to, will be continuing to sing his praises for this season is, of course, uh, Nick Rewald. He just had another dominant game. He um, got 24 disposals and... Uh, and just and kick three goals as well and uh, eighteen for the year now and he's they sort of they wanted to play him on the wing for most of the year but he's I think since they didn't play McCartan on the weekend they had Membry and Bruce as well but he pushed forward and he's almost playing or well, sort of not I wouldn't say back to career best form but he's playing really well he leads the leads the uh, competition in marks with seventy nine with the next best at sixty six so. Doing very well, Super. Doing very well indeed. And uh, if you don't have him on Supercoach yet, make sure you get him in. He got another score over 100 this week. Um, and, of course, veterans Lee Montagna, Jack Noon, Sam Gilbert and Shane Savage were also outstanding performers as well. The Saints do slip to two, um, two wins and five losses. But, very well, but, I mean, if you compare their two wins, oh, five losses... Yeah, yeah mm. exactly right. And if you compare their two wins and five losses to, say, a team like Collingwood, you'd have to say that St Kilda have had much more closer yeah, wins and have actually yeah. played probably more impressive footy to watch um, as a spectator. Just so uh, probably a rougher draw, but just an interesting stat. So for North Melbourne, have yet to have a player get over 30 possessions this year. That is a play? very interesting stat. And it, it obviously does tell you that, um, you know, that they've got a very good midfield spread and that um, every player is contributing um, every little bit. But, um, yeah, it certainly shows that uh, they are spreading that load. Had it told me there was a one there was a club that had a player, uh, sorry, that hadn't had a player to exceed 30 touch, I would not have expected it to be North Melbourne. No, you wouldn't. And you'd expect it to be a team a lot lower on the ladder. Yeah. So that yeah. certainly does show that there's some pretty good synergy in that side. So um, that's very good indeed. Now, of course, our final game... Uh, for round seven was Port Adelaide up against the Brisbane Lions at Adelaide Oval. And uh, finally, Port Adelaide fans left Adelaide Oval with something to smile about, uh, um, beating the <laughs> Brisbane Lions by 77 points. <laughs> Gentlemen, what were your takes on this game? How did uh, Port Adelaide fare? Are they back? Uh, I don't think they're back. I think they probably <laughs> beat up on the Brisbane Lions a fair bit this week. But mm. they're obviously down the bottom of the ladder. They're quite a young team, but... 21 goals 10, 136 to 7 goals 17 the line, so their kicking didn't help them at all, but they were 59 at the end, but they were put out a level plus 95 disposals, 419, 415 to 320, so they smashed them there, they also smashed them in the clearances, 52 34 as well as inside 50, 66 to 51, and they were plus 14 in contested possessions, but um, Charlie Dixon kicked 5 goals, so he's sort of getting back to some pretty good form, and they had a lot of their midfielders starting to improve. Travis Buck, who's had a really quiet start to the year as as captain as well. They've sort of been playing him as a half forward, but pushed more into the midfield this week. Had 31 touches on with Ollie Wines, who had 30 as well, and Jasper Pittard off the halfback line had 30 as well. But for the Lions, there are also a few good players. Dane Beams, who came back recently, just had 30 touches and also kicked a goal. So there's a pretty even... Um, spread across the two teams, but obviously Port Adelaide just far too good in the end. Kicked seven goals to two in the last quarter and just kicked away. But I wouldn't take too much from this performance. I think Brisbane, with such a young side on the road, always going to struggle away from the Gabba and Port. We're going to have to see. I think they're four and three, so they have had a pretty poor mm. start to the year, but their record actually isn't too bad. So I think they've they've definitely got a chance to push for the eight if they keep on improving and. and 
Yeah, but we're just going to have to see them play against better opposition, Serba. And, of course, they've still got a pretty big list of injuries as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes. yeah, it'd be interesting to see how well those players do. I think flip back in. Yeah, Maxie's right. I mean, I, I think there's no reason why they can't still push for the A, but I, I was actually going to make a similar comment earlier about Melbourne and say, well, I think at this stage they're quite deserving of a place in there. But the other thing I'd look at it and say, who will they dislodge from the current top eight? I think... Uh, I'd say the Eagles must... They, they, they do look a bit vulnerable, don't they? They yeah. look a bit vulnerable. Because yeah, I, apart from that, I, I can't see who else is going to go out of that, of, um, of that eight we have now. I think the only thing that will probably change is positional changes. Mm. But, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, West Coast Eagles aside, is there anyone else that you think may not be able to hold on to their spot? I'd like to see how the Bulldogs go. I think they're a very good side, but they've had a lot of injuries. The key players, mm. I don't know how it's going to affect them. And will some of their, later on their youth yeah. be a bit burnt out yeah. towards the back half of the season? Yeah. But I was so. about to say them, and mm. it'll be very interesting to see how they take the next couple of weeks, especially because they're not going to be playing too many more games at Etihad Stadium no. like no. the run that they've had at the moment. I think uh, GWS will keep surprising. Now, of course, gentlemen, one of our favourite segments of the week, we have the praise, days and lays. I'll get the ball rolling. My praise this week was players signing new contracts. Mm -hmm. And um, this is, is, of course, it's always great to see a player so early on in the season, only only seven, eight rounds into the season, recommitting to their club. And a lot of these um, contract signings have been contract extensions, which is great. But I think, as an overriding rule, I think if, if players are in good form and, and, and if they can see that they've got um, a, a solid lock-in role in that team um, and they're comfortable in that role and they know where their team's going to be going in the future and they know their, you know, their commitment to that club and, and what they do within that position will get them to somewhere, mm-hmm. then I think the player is more confident to say, yes, you know, I'm going to recommit to my club. And the other thing is, you know, when contracts are signed, it takes the pressure off the player. And as we've seen before, when, when Travis Cloak had all that speculation about where he was going to go and, and, and even um, to an extent, um, you know, many other players who have had big clouds over them, um, you know, they don't usually perform as well as they do um, mm. when there is other clubs chasing after them. So it, it does take the pressure off them. They're able to play with more freedom and they can perform better. And uh, as a result, that all clubs win, all parties win, except for the ones that can't get them, of course. Um, Jack Whiting is probably the man you're talking about, sir, besides the deal during the week. But um, probably be the next captain of the club, you'd think, after um, Jones has served them so well. But... Massive sign till the end of 2020, um, Jack Viney's locked away. So mm, it's certainly not for him is. to be the next captain of the club within the next two or three years. Absolutely right, Maxie. And another big player that we're all very happy to see sign, uh, put ink to paper, was of course David Myers. He signs another three years, yep. um, which puts him to the club at, I think, the end of 2021. So he's going to be a Don for life, we hope. We, well, yeah. Almost certainly, they might have to take him out there if a wheelchair would, if he isn't. We would think so now, yes. Uh, and he becomes the fourth player um, with Hocking yep. up to 2017, Collier up to 2019, and Hooker up to 2021. A lot more Dons are signing, which is great. And, uh, of course, we have and a story that has been circulating for a little bit, Maxi, of course, Heppel. Um, potentially, he's verbally recommitted. Um, yeah, he's already got a contract. Yeah, and he's already it's, got a contract. It's just a matter of, just a matter of honouring that. that. Yeah, which but, um, I think, yeah, I'm sorry, Max. I was going to say, yeah, Surface is quite right. He has sort of 
verbally uh, committed to that number of times. I think it's only a matter of time before it's sort of formally announced. Mm. Um, just on David Miser, I think he's a really underrated player. He's contested beast and got a probably 60 metre left peg on oh, him. So he's, oh, a bit, he's a bit of a weapon. Every bit of that. Mm. First round, he's a pretty... I think he was a, he was a, he was a high. He was, yeah. Season, so it took him a while to come he through. He was, he was pick six miles, so very high draft pick. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and now, well, I mean, everything that we talk about every week from an Essendon point of view about the forward problems we're having, the forward structure and, you know, the cohesion things, but we don't, have to, I don't we won't even have to worry about it next year because Myers can just kick it over all the forwards. Exactly, and yeah. Two, anywhere within 80, he's a chance. Exactly right. So, I mean, he, look, he's such a big inclusion. And look, he has been out um, with a lot of injury problems in the last couple of years. But if, if he can get a good run... Um, he will be a very crucial player, and and as John Worsfold has said during the week, um, he's a part of what we're you know what we're aiming for, what we're trying to get at. So it means he's a part of a future plan, which is uh, which is very exciting for all Bombers fans out there. Alira Lira, who um, only just debuted a couple of weeks ago for the Swans, um, he's signed a two-year contract extension, and Nick Rewalt. Um, there's also very good talk happening with St Kilda mm. there. He's most likely to recommit to the club. And he's at that age now, similar to Boomer Harvey, where it's just one-year contracts and you see where he is at the end of the season. But um, it'd be great to see him play on as well. So that's my praise for this week. Fryzy, what have you got this yes, week, mate? Yes, sir. It's very, very good. I'm going to praise the Saints this week just for their their resilience and their never-say-die attitude in that game against North. They kicked eight goals to five after half time. This is against the undefeated top of the ladder, North Melbourne side as well. So, uh, a few of their older heads led them in the charge. Rewalt and Montagna were fantastic. So, I, I thought from uh, from that fairly young side, a very great effort to push that game right to the end and almost pinched it. They did. They, they almost did. ran over the top of uh, North Melbourne. They just kept working. And even when they were four to five goals down, sort of early in the second half, sort of midway through the third term, you, you, you never sort of felt they were really out of it. They were always just sort of hanging around, and uh, yeah. And you talk about could, and you talk about those through. old players, Frizy. But we've got to remember they've got some really exciting youngsters. Mm. You know, we've got uh, oh, Josh Bruce, mm. who um, who's going to be a leading forward of the competition. Take, yeah, in the future. Yeah, yeah, You know, um, Jack Loney. They, they've got a lot of Jacks. They got Jack, Jack Sinclair, Jack Munes, yeah, uh, even Seb Ross. Seb Ross in the, in the midfield has been very impressive. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, um, uh, Joe Watson's cousin, he I is, believe. He is, yeah, um, yeah. And they've just got a lot of exciting players on that list. Um, they're really building mm. towards something, aren't they, the Saints? Yeah, they've been so, really impressive. I think they've played, out of the seven games, they've played four top ten, top eight sides, rather than the only team that they've lost to is outside of the um, top eight is Port Adelaide, and we know we're there, and that was round one at, Amy, at the Adelaide Oval, sorry, and they've defeated the Pies as well as... Um, um, yeah, but but even even in their losses, like um, they almost they, beat they Melbourne, almost they? They beat Melbourne. yeah they oh, beat yeah, Melbourne, Melbourne and, and Melbourne have been in some good form as well, and yeah. uh, even the Hawks they um they they oh, almost should have won that game. There the was Hawks controversy game. at the at the end of that game as well. Really so four game they've really played is against GWS, and that was a yeah. game. But apart from that, they've been really competitive for most of the yeah. much of every game. Exactly right. So, but that's a very good praise there. Um, St Kilda have been absolutely outstanding. I think they've got a very good coach in Alan Richardson oh, as well. Yeah. Plenty of upside in that club. Plenty of good upside indeed. Now, Maxie, what is your praise for this week? I've gone the Blue Bays. I tipped them last week. This price said they're only one game out of the eight circle, but um, and who knows? But um, unbelievable. They've got, they've got um Port Adelaide this week, so they could go four in a row, which would be surprising. I don't think many people tip them to win four games. Certainly at the start not. Of the year. <laughs> 
to have four wins on the board at round eight would be pretty impressive, but Brenda Bolton's got them playing far better footy, and if you look at their side, they don't look, look too inexperienced, rather than, apart from all the Gino West boys they brought in, like Lamb and the Ruck and Phillips, and obviously Weathering went out um, the week before with a shoulder, but they look like they're playing just far more competitive footy than they did under Mick last year, and they only had Johnny um, Barkley last year, who sort of got them playing back on the right sort of competitive style, but yeah, they've just improved a lot this week, or this year, sorry, and yeah, they're my pros for the week, so far. And, uh, and, and, you know, uh, without their um, star first round draft pick, uh, number one draft pick, uh, Jacob Wiedering, who of course out this week, and as well as Charlie Kerno, and as well as Charlie Kerno, who was also very high up there, they, they just continued and, and found ways to win, and um, yeah, as you said, that, uh, that forward line as well is operating, and uh, with a midfielder like um, Paddy Cripps, I mean, they they really are um, look a lot more invigorated, mm. and uh, and they're certainly a side who you know aren't going to be easy pushovers this season, which is I think what um, one of the main aims that uh, that Brendan Bolden did have coming to that club. So that's a very good praise indeed, Maxie. They've been very good. Now, of course, uh, my lays for this week is. Um, Believe it or not, been the Gold Coast recruiting. And um, I highlight this because, of course, this round, Gold Coast coming up against the other extension club being GWS. Of course, GWS coming in two years later. Um, but this is the Suns are in a giant shadow. And uh, the reason I highlight this, we, we talk about their experienced players, who they got in in those crucial stages where they were trying to, trying to build a club. So, of course, Suns got in Gary Ablett, Michael Riscatelli, Jared Hardbell. Um, and look, those players have been good. Um, and we look, at, we look at the players that GWS got in in comparison. They got Callum Ward, um, Davis, Scully, Palmer, Sam Reid. Uh, is it Sam Reid? Um, not too sure about that one. But he hasn't he played much season. He? Hasn't played much footy yet. But then we look at the players who are, are also mature. Um, that they did get in, but has haven't been so successful. We look at players such as Jared Brennan, who had a had a little bit of a stint there, but didn't do too much. Still isn't there. Um, we look at Bock. We look at, um, of course, Brownie. Um, we look at um, Josh Fraser, and we look at Nathan Cracker. Who of course, is a different club. And all of those players have been not too influential, and uh, and most of them now are off the list. Mm. And we look at the Giants, um, who got Luke Power, Dean Brogan, and Kane Corns, um, who were only meant to be there for a couple of years. They're, of course, off the list, but they're only three players who didn't have too much of an influence. We look at the players that Gold Coast got in in the last couple of seasons. We look at Warnock, Murphy, Broughton, Malcheski, Hallahan, Rosa, Grant, and Curry. And they're, they're all big question marks, because we, we yeah. haven't seen their credentials as yet. We compare it to the Giants... They got Shane Mumford, Heap Shaw, Ryan Griffin, Joel Patful, Stevie J, and Dawson Simpson, who does have a question mark of it over him. But those other players oh, have been absolutely outstanding and have been and have been huge reasons why GWS have risen up the ladder and Gold Coast have just continually fallen. So it all comes down to that experience. These are the players you look to to win games. And uh, besides Gary Ablett, Gold Coast don't have more, much more experience. But when you look at the GWS Giants, they've got a lot of mature age recruits who are leaders. And I think that's one of the big differences. Definitely. And uh, 
What did you highlight this week for your lays, Rosie? So my lays goes to the Channel 7 commentary team. Oh, and oh, one oh. man in particular being Brian. <laughs> on the Saturday, oh boy, where are we? On the Saturday evenings. Uh, can we... When I say we, I'm, I'm saying this too, Channel 7 commentary team. The Stringer obsession. <laughs> I think the guy is a phenomenal footballer. I think he is. And I have that much respect for that guy when he goes out onto the field to watch what he does. But now I dislike him, and it's through no fault of his own, the poor young man. It's yeah. the image that these people have portrayed. I thought at first it was hilarious, it was funny. And I reckon these things are funny when they're not flogged to death every single time. As soon as a guy went near the footy on Saturday night, you had um, BT... I wouldn't be surprised if he had to leave the box to uh, to relieve himself. And, and <laughs> showing so much excitement. Uh, I noticed that uh, that David Schwartz on, on radio this week made some very similar comments, and that's kind of where I uh, triggered this thought from. I, I agree with him on that. I would just like to see sometimes call the game for what it is sometimes. Exactly. I know that uh, it's a very hard thing to do with modern commentary, and I think the excitement is great, but... Uh, Yes, I feel that the uh, the weight of expectation of that on this poor young bloke can't always be good for him. And of course, we think about um, Channel Seven commentary team uh, when we think of Cyril Ravioli, oh. and uh, we think of um, we think of Big Bruce um, oh, just just yeah. hoeing into some Cyril Cyril Ravioli. And uh, tell you what, uh, yeah, there seems to be some characters oh. in that box that just have genuine problems <laughs> with their obsession over players, don't they? Yes, yes, it can be. Uh... A little bit concerning, sometimes. isn't it? But, um, Maxie, what was your uh, yeah, lays for this week? We touched on it before um, briefly, but mine was actually a shot clock. We saw Mason. Oh, yes. Mason would just run down the clock. It was a really poor image for the game. He didn't do anything wrong, but I, I think I'll be interested to see what you boys think about it. But I think we just got to get get rid of it. I don't think it just, or if we're going to do it, have a, they have to move by 20 and probably keep by 25. So mm. it just speed, speeds them up and they're not wasting time like we saw on the weekend. And North Melbourne have exploited it a, a number of times this this season already. But yeah, what do you boys think about it? Well, it certainly wasn't a good look on the game. You know, we're talking a game that came down to the last 30 seconds and uh, mm. Saints still had a chance to win it after a controversial mm. free kick. And uh mm. And then, of course, Mason Wood earns himself a free kick and then just uh, just stands there and looks. And, yeah, well, uh, I, I would have walked away from that as a St Kilda supporter and been quite frustrated. Yep. I mean, you know, he still had enough time. And look, even if he did kick it within those 20 seconds, I don't think it would have been enough time for the Saints to run it to the other ground and kick a goal. If they did, no. it would have been phenomenal. But yeah. I don't think there was any chance that the Saints could have won that game anyway with Mason Wood scoring anything. So... I think he should have just went back, taken his shot, backed himself, and instead of, you know, making the game turn down to a bit of a yeah anti anti climax. Mm, definitely. So I think uh, I think maybe the um, the grounds will have to start considering whether they keep those or not. At the start of the season, I thought this is a good idea. You know, we know mm. how much time the players have to kick the goal. I thought this is a good new innovation, but now I'm starting to think uh, it could just be a bad look for the game, yeah. especially if players players use it in that way. I think so, so. and uh, I had a very interesting uh, days this week, gentlemen. Um, of course, in a different league, actually. Um, this was in the fourth division seniors. That is, of course, round five in the fourth division seniors, and uh, the Glen Waverley Hawks came up against the Nunawading Football Club, and the result was quite staggering. 47-23, 305, defeated Nutter Wadding, 
zero zero zero. Yes, that is correct. A three hundred and five point flogging mm. in the first quarter. Glenn Waverley Hawks got off to a flyer, 10-6-66. In the second quarter, they continued their dominance, kicking 12 goals, 22-9-141. At this stage, another one was still on zero. Of course, went to the halftime break. There obviously wasn't a good enough spray from the coach. Third quarter came, and it was 37-15, 237. Another one zilch. And then we got to the final quarter, and uh, not even a little bit of respectability. Nope. 0 0 to 47 23, 305. Gentlemen, I don't know what this is. The worst part about it on their website, it says best players. There's six good best players on each side. I do not know how Maybe that is they possible. Only fielded a team of six players, judging by that score. Yeah, line, probably back in the Premier League. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, racked up and a little, little shout out to A. Amin. 20 goals. Congratulations, yeah, son. Well, a. Amin. And, uh, yes, um, that is his uh, career best, so he's probably leading the Coleman in that competition, yeah, I'd imagine. So but that is my days for this week, gentlemen. Can't go get getting beaten by 305 points. No, no, not on any level of football. Uh, yes, no, so it's my, my days this week is trying to what Maxie looked at earlier with the umpiring in that Bulldogs-Adelaide game on Saturday night. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but... Uh, Mm. Yeah, the Adelaide Crows, I think, had every right to be uh, frustrated for that free kick count that ended 28-11 to 11 for the match. Also, uh, what Maxi highlighted a bit earlier, umpire Pennell, who is a known Bulldog supporter, uh, 17, yeah, 17 free kicks to one. Good research there. That he paid to the Dogs. Uh, you know, this isn't the first time we've run into a similar sort of controversy about umpiring already this year inside the first seven weeks. I, I, I don't know what... Uh, can be done in that regard. I don't know if you guys actually saw the um, the Facebook picture during the week that had the pin there that had uh, had umpire Pennell <laughs> in a Western Bulldogs jumper. Uh, obviously, it's the kind of thing I can't uh, show. I, to, I, I, I did I see. I can't show to the uh, to, to the audience, but um, listeners. But oh, yes, there you no, go, there you go. It uh, looks like Libra in that photo, actually. <laughs> uh, t- Tony Liberatore. But uh, I did see another photo this week, uh, Fries, and it was of uh, the umpires actually leading the Brownlow a dollar twenty. They're giving the votes themselves, aren't I they? Think, I think they just might be, you know. <laughs> so that's very interesting indeed. Well, a bit of yes. a bias there, I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think, yes. No, so that is my day. It's just, just, just very surprising to see those kind of numbers. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I haven't seen those for a long while. And uh, no. Maxie, what was your days for this week? Well, my days came on Friday night where it was in the Tigers Hawthorne game where the scores were they were fairly even throughout the state. I'm pretty sure it happened during the second quarter. Now, Tyron Vickery kicked two goals within, mm. I think it was 45 seconds. And then they took him off, and he couldn't get back on for 11 minutes. The after keep, and he's probably one of the most. Um, he's a confidence player. Oh, right? he's, he's played yes. over 100. And he's played 109 games and you know, kicked 146 goals, but he's kicked two goals in 45 seconds. So for surely you're leading on, and you try and make the most of it. He's on a hot streak. Hopefully you'd be trying to get him another probably one or two in the quarter at least. But to bring him off for another 11 minutes after that, what's happening there? Unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, of course, uh, during the week, um, 
apparently uh, Tyrone actually owns his own or or part part owns a pizza shop and uh, he spoke okay. about it and he was he was very shocked. He said, "Oh, look, uh, sometimes players, you know, get taken off the ground because it's uh, you know it's a requirement for mm. the interchange and stuff." But when you kick two goals in forty five seconds and it'll get, there's a lot of <laughs> weeks that, there's a lot of weeks where where, where Tyrone doesn't even get the ball. So um, you know to, to to say that to him, it's either a very harsh punishment or it's a very bad mistake. <laughs> So uh, oh, that, that's yeah. a very good days indeed, Maxie. Now, of course, gentlemen, very big round eight coming up, and it all starts on Friday night. Mm. Danger, danger, yeah. danger for the Adelaide Crows. They're up against Geelong, and of course, we say danger because Paddy Danger is back. He might, he might want to run out there in a cricket helmet, I reckon. <laughs> I, think, I, don't know. I think he might want to. He's... Uh, well, I mean, he faces the club that he left, or, or as um, Adelaide supporters say, betrayed. Um, he's won their best and fairest uh, last year, and he's played just over 150 games with them. And, uh, well, I wonder what the response is going to be by the crowd. You would imagine every time, he, whenever he gets the ball, which yeah. will, well, we imagine will be about 30 times, uh, mm. yeah, there'll, there'll be quite a loud boo. It'll be a close game, game, this one, I think. In terms of tips, I'm going to take Geelong. Just, but it was a very tough one to call. It could go either way, I think. Well, this is going to be a very, very intriguing match, and I'd like to see how the Crows midfield can hold up against that star-studded Geelong midfield, and I think that's where the battle's ultimately going to be won. There's no doubt if that ball gets into the forward line for the Crows, they can score. I mean, last week they had six entries in one of their quarters, and they got six goals from them. So they can score when they get it in there, but it just it depends on whether they will. Look, I'm going to tip Geelong in a close one here, gentlemen. I'm going to say Geelong by 14. Maxi? Yeah, I'm, oh, I've got no, I really have no idea who I'm going to tip or no reason to pick any of these teams. I think that Adelaide's draw to come to four, four and three at this moment with the st- draw they had at the start of the year has done really well. But yeah, I'm with you boys. I'm just going to have to tip Geelong just. I think their midfield will be too good. It's going to be a very interesting match indeed. Now on Saturday, uh, the undefeated uh, Ruse come up against um, the Bombers at Etihad Stadium and uh, North Melbourne are enjoying their best start since, of course, 1979 and they're heavily favoured in this game to continue that streak to get to 8-0. and zero. Um, And, of course, Essendon did uh, suffer their heaviest defeat last weekend. Can they bounce back, gentlemen? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but um, the Roos do have the missing Daniel Wells out this week, and also Sean Higgins have lost him. Yes, oh, yes. Twelve weeks. Out. That is a huge. Is three game? months with a meniscus, two, I believe. Two of their classiest play, players and ball users, I believe. But um, yeah, I think the Roos are paying a dollar for a crown bit, but I think you can. You just have to tip the Roos in this one. Hard to see us getting a win this week, the Bombers. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be quite as uh, much of a flogging as some people might think, but I, yeah, I can't see North Melbourne letting their guard down this week. It's nice for us to finally return to Eddie. Had first time this year too, isn't it? Like, it this is our first uh, game. They very it, well highlighted. Yeah, look, I, I think just based on our, our record at, uh, sorry, against North Melbourne, I think we've beaten them something like three times in the past 10 or 11 games. If we don't beat them very often. We don't. It's a, it's a great feeling when we do, but I don't see it happening this week, unfortunately, guys. I reckon North by about 30 to 40 points, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it'll be around that mark, but I don't think the skills are going to be that high quality this game, unfortunately. No, no. I've seen a couple of 
games against these two sides in the past, and it has not been a spectacle to watch. So I think it's going to be a scrappy affair, but I think uh, North will get over the line pretty easily at the end of the day. Now, of course, we go to Aurora Stadium where the Hawks are up against Fremantle. Fremantle haven't won a game at Aurora since 2002. Can they finally get a win on a board? It's and been against... that long, isn't it? It's been a very long time, so just about over a decade ago. And uh, from all reports I hear, it was in a controversial circumstance. Could have been another stretch of gate one there, apparently. Oh, it was the siren, siren game. Siren, siren, siren game. Siren. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yes. I was going to get killed though, wasn't Yeah. I think it was. So, um, so there you have it. So, but uh, the Dockers travelling down there. They don't have a good record there, of course, and uh, they haven't bet um, Hawthorne for a little while now, and. Uh, can you see it changing? Again, uh, I think the Hawks fairly easily. Well, it'd be interesting to see what if um, the Hawks get Hodge or Mitchell back. But um, I think the Hawks probably by eight, or eight to ten goals comfortably. Yeah, well, I think, I, you, you, well, you can't possibly tip for you. This week, uh, of all weeks, I don't think they're going to get that elusive first win this week. So, no, yeah, Hawthorne for me. Fairly comfortably. I think I think about six or seven goals. I think. Yeah, I think I think so as well. I think Hawthorne are pretty comfortable down in Aurora. Of course, uh, Freo might have to bring their uh, their jumpers along to that game. It's gonna be pretty cold <laughs> down there compared to what it is in WA. So uh, that'll be interesting indeed. Uh, a very good game um, coming up as well. Which, well, it's the it's the extension game. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see um, what happens here. But I think. GWS, of course, up against the Gold Coast Suns, it's spotless. And, uh, yes, Gold Coast are coming off some pretty embarrassing losses. I don't think that will stop here. I think, uh, yes, GWS should have some pretty fair dominance in here. Gentlemen, what do you think? Yeah, um, GWS paying a dollar a quarter, Gold Coast is $11, so that's yeah, <laughs> I'm tipping the Giants fairly comfortably here. I reckon around the $10 mark once again. I think it would just be far too good. Yep, I'm... Uh... On the same wavelength there, boys, hard to see uh, the Suns winning this week. And I think the Giants will get the job done fairly comfortably. And, of course, this is a very interesting game because, of course, Stevie J, who is on fire at the moment, faces off against Sun captain and former teammate Gary Ablett Jr. for the first time on both of them out of Geelong um, yes. Guernsey. So uh, that will be... Quite interesting. Oh, see see how they receive each other. I didn't even think of that. So that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah and uh, but I think the Giants are going to be winning here by about ten goals as well. Hi, just letting you know that your voice is a bit occasional. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. But there's no one in there. I was muted from the okay. and I could hear you through the words. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. So we're just doing a podcast recording, so it needs to be a yes. little bit, yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, we'll okay. try to. We will be we'll finishing in five minutes, so which that's, is good. Yeah, right. we'll, yeah, we'll try to put it down. Yeah, a bit. Thank you. That's okay. No worries. <laughs> and uh, that was Patricia there with a <laughs> special comments and ad break. Uh, ad break. And uh, break. Just yes. advertising how good the ACU library is. I think or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. There, there goes ACU sponsorship oh, there. Yeah, out the door. Yep. And so I think GWS will win there pretty easily. Now we move um, to the Gabba on Saturday night. Of course, Brisbane are up against the Pies. Um, this will be a hard one to tip, gentlemen. Who have you got winning this one? I've gone Brisbane Lions, actually. So Oof. I think the pressure's really going to mount on Matthew Buckley if they lose this. But just, I didn't know who to tip. And it was at the Gabba, and I don't think Brisbane are playing that badly. And especially how they pushed Sydney at the Gabba a few weeks ago. If they can... Um, Play, play that well again, I think they'll be far too good for the Pies, I think. 
I'm tipping Brisbane right about four goals. I, think, I just think that these parts are good out the gather. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to tip Collingwood, I think. I, I really can't do it with any sort of confidence or anything like that, but I think they are due. And as much as we've seen, we've seen a lot to, to like from Brisbane, being very competitive and impressive in just about every game. So I, I think it'll be a close one, though, too, although I think history would suggest they do have a good record travelling up there to Collingwood. Well, of course, um, their inspirational captain, Tom Rockcliffe, is out this week. But um, Dane Beams got through his first match unscathed. So it uh, comes up against his old team. And I think uh, he might be able to rub a little bit of salt into the wounds. I think uh, mm. Brisbane might just win here. Not by much, but I think uh, I think maybe the home ground advantage might do him yep, good in this yep. game. Now, of course, the other game on Saturday night is Richmond up against the Sydney Swans. Of course, Richmond's season... I think is set to continue continue to spiral downwards yeah, with this yeah. game. Uh, I'm tipping uh, the Tigers. What do you think? Oh, sorry, I'm tipping Sydney here. Um, I'm tipping the Tigers to lose, yeah, but I'm no, tipping I'll, Sydney uh, to... I'll, I'll have the Swans as well, I think, Serpa. I, uh, I, the form there, well, the contrasting form of both sides would be very hard to tip Richmond in this game. I, I couldn't possibly do it, I don't think. So, no, Sydney for me as well. Yeah, I'm going with Sydney. But interesting, the Tigers do have a... Pretty good record against the Swans. They've won the last two, and they've won, also won three of the last five. But, okay. yeah, I think the Swans would just be too good on power form. Of course, um, potentially, uh, Trent Cotchin might be returning this week. Uh, we'll have mm. to find out to see whether he will. It's, it's looking pretty likely that could be a big in. And uh, one of the biggest questions coming over this week um, for the Sydney Swans is, can Buddy Franklin kick 100 goals again this season. That is, of course, a very big question. He's been in some red-hot form. Of course, he kicked six last week. But do you gentlemen yeah, think he can honestly kick six? If he doesn't get 100, he'll go very close, I think. Yeah. I think if he was to kick 100, I think it would be in the final series rather than the home away. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yep. yeah. I think he'll get... He'll push it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he will, but I could see him easily kicking the 80s or 90s. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he'll get mm. close to it. I don't think he'll kick 100, but... um. Boy, it'd be amazing if he if he could though. It would be uh, a very big spectacle Maybe indeed. Potentially, it could well be the way the Swans have been going, and uh, yeah, a crowd of ninety thousand trying to run onto the field oh, for him. Geez, that would be uh, that'd been, certainly yeah. be a scene, wouldn't it? <laughs> now, of course, on Sunday we have a, another very interesting game. This is of course Carlton up against the Port Power, and uh, Carlton could win four in a row here, gentlemen. How do you see this one going? I'm tipping the Blues. Playing yeah. a pretty good footy at the moment, and I think Port Adelaide are really sceptical on where they're at at the moment. Um, the Blues just bring effort every single week, so I think it'll be a really close game. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Port run away with a six-goal win, but I'm just on the last few weeks of Carlton's effort, I'm just going to tip them just. Yeah, Carlton for me too, boys. I think I think the uh, that train will keep rolling this week with that game beat Eddie Hatter. I mean, Port do play some good footy there, but you know, Carlton for me this week. Close one, I think. Carlton have been playing very well, but I'm just going to go with Port Adelaide here. I just think, um, I just think their forwards are starting to wake up, and uh, they've got a good bit of run, and they, um, yeah, hopefully, mm. uh, can try and mount something um, after yep. being pretty disappointing so far in the season. So it's it's going to be a good match, and it's uh, yeah, it could go any way really. I think, and uh, on Sunday as well for the uh, women's match. For breast cancer, we have Melbourne up against the Western Bulldogs. This is a good concept every round, year, and uh, this could just yeah. about be the game of the round. We've got the two Melbourne sides being in some very, very good form. Of course, the Bulldogs leave their haven, and they yes. head across the road to uh, the MCG. They Where do you do. see this one going, gentlemen? I'm probably going to tip the dogs. I think they'll just get over the line, but I 
I had to think twice about this one. Mm. It'd be interesting to see how those play the MCG um, compared to how they play Eddie Ad, but yeah, I'm with Forrest. I'm just tipping the dogs, but I reckon it'll be a really close game this one because these do play well at the MCG. It would be incredible if Melbourne could get up for this one, and I, I think they could, but I'm just going to go to the doggies here and uh, not buy a lot either. I think it'll be less than a goal and uh, could really come down to a final quarter shootout. But if uh, Melbourne yeah. can replicate the way they scored in the second half, oh, yes. we're in for one hell of a match, I think, gentlemen. Now, of course, the final game of the round is uh, West Coast Eagles are back home safely. Mm. And they might be known as the Flat Track Bullies again as they come up against St Kilda at Domain Stadium. Gentlemen, where do you see this one going? Well, if this game was in Melbourne, I'd probably tip St Kilda hands down, I think, on uh, the way they're running at the moment and um, how poorly West Coast... But because it's at Patterson's, I think, very hard to... Um, to go, or should I say domain? It changes every year, doesn't it? Hard to, hard to go against West Coast here. I think they'll bounce back with a win. Probably not... Uh, in a big way, I think they might, you know, cruise to a five or six goal win. Mm. I think, yes, but uh, very interesting one this one. Yeah, I'm with the Bible. I think West Coast will just win, just comfortably. I think four or five goals. I think the Saints be pretty competitive. Be interesting to see how they play at the main stadium in Perth when compared to Eddie Had, where they think they play their best footy. But West Coast comfortably four or five goals. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Saints haven't won up at Domain Stadium for about four seasons now, I think. Right, so okay, it's been yes. quite a while since they've had success there. But, uh, yeah, West Coast here for me. But I don't think um, the pressure will come off Adam Simpson's boys. Of course, they get judged most when they're on the road. Mm. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. That's right, this, thank uh, you, sir. And Pleasure thank you, always. of course, the listener, for listening to another week of In the Ballpark. Join us next week as we dissect round eight and preview round nine. Thank you very much.